Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. Uh, my name is Larry Kay, and I'm a recovered compulsive reader from Chicago. Today is Friday, February 23rd, 2018, and today we are reading from, would you guess this? We're reading from the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We are on page 30, um, starting with the third paragraph. It starts, we alcoholics are men and women, and we're going to read one paragraph. Today's readers, we have Eve K. on the 12 Steps, Mary S. on the 12 Traditions, and the readers of the text are Kim G., Carmela G., and Katie G. The reference number for yesterday, Thursday, February 22nd, uh, for the 7 a.m. meeting, that's 11,080. That's 11080. And for the 10 a.m. meeting is 11,084, 11084. The OA Preamble, Overeaters Anonymous, is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movements, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors, and then to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, our fifth tradition states that each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. And at a vision for you, big book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can indeed recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. And so now let me ask Eve Kay to, uh, if she'd be kind enough to read the 12 steps. Good morning, Eve. Good morning, Larry. My name is Eve Kay. I am a recovering compulsive overeater from Brooklyn, New York. The 12 steps. One. We admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Have a good day, everyone. Thanks, Eve. Okay, let me ask uh, Mary uh, Mary S., would you be kind enough to read the uh, 12 Traditions? 
Hi, everyone. I'm Mary S., uh, Recovered Compulsive Overeater from Stewart, Florida. The 12 Traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you. Thanks so much, Mary. Okay, let me tell you how our meeting, uh, how our meeting is supposed to work anyway. Um, Our meeting focuses on the directions of recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. So we read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we're discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive readers only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. And we are sharing what the directions of the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute your phone. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass and then press star one to mute your phone again. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. So today we're going to get back into the big book. We are currently on page 30. Um, Kim's going to read the third paragraph, just the one paragraph starting with We Alcoholics. Hey, Kim, good morning. Morning, Larry. Morning, everyone. My name is Kim and and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. We alcoholics are men and women who have lost the ability to control our drinking. We know that no real alcoholic ever, ever recovers control. All of us felt at times that we were regaining control, but such intervals, usually brief, were inevitably followed by still less control, which led in time to pitiful and incomprehensible demoralization. We are convinced to a man that alcoholics of our type are in the grip of a progressive illness. Over any considerable period, we get worse, never better. 
And I love this paragraph, and I was just reflecting on, on not my experience before Overeaters Anonymous, but my experience once I joined Overeaters Anonymous. You know, relapse and recovery was a very common theme I heard, you know, um, being a relapse survivor. There's, there almost seemed to be a, a sense of pride about being in relapse or coming back from relapse. And in my first year, I have to say that I was very grateful to find people in the room who understood, you know, that people in the room who went from drive-through to drive-through ordering food for, for, you know, imaginary people, they understood that of only being able to buy shoes that I could slip on because I couldn't bend over to tie my shoelaces. People who understood the ease and comfort that food did for me. But my game plan was basically how can I control and enjoy my eating? You know, my game plan was, uh, was, I, was I would only have pizza on Tuesdays and Thursdays, and I would have two slices and then go to a meeting afterwards, and that meeting would give me enough juice not to go home and eat the rest of the pizza. And then somebody said to me, you know, Kim, you know, why don't you join OA? And I said, what are you talking about? I've been going to meetings for a year. He's like, yeah, you've been going to meetings, but why don't you join OA? So what I did was I did. I joined a meeting that was very structured, very tool-oriented, and my program became basically a bunch of slogans. You know, meeting makers make it. Service is slimming. Absence is the most important thing in my life today without exception. It was exhausting. But let me tell you, it was better than being in the food, but there was no freedom. And then after six years, I picked up. And at that point, I, could, I went from not being able to get more than eight or nine months, to maybe not eight or nine weeks, to maybe not even eight or nine hours. And every time I came back to the rooms and I would tell them what happened, they would say, oh, I know what it is, Kim. You need to go to more meetings. And the next time I would come back because I would relapse the day I couldn't go to a meeting, oh, no, Kim, the problem is you're not making enough phone calls. And then the phone calls would work until somebody couldn't pick up the phone. You know, oh, no, no, they need to have a better food plan. You need to have a better sponsor. You know, the steps were really an afterthought. For anybody who wasn't alive in the 70s, Google this, but it was like that game Twister. Right foot red, left foot blue. Steps were something I read in a meeting. Steps were something that I would ask someone's opinion and I would try to work their opinion. And if on page 59 it says, here are the steps we took, which are a program of recovery, I realized I had been in the rooms for over 17 years not working the steps in a 12-step program. And I just want to assure you that what I was experiencing in the rooms of Overeaters Anonymous was not relapse and recovery. It was this paragraph. It was the progression of the illness. And once I started working those steps, let me assure you that I have now been abstinent recovered for over seven years. I am not cocky or afraid. I experienced neutrality. The obsession's been removed. I've been restored to sanity. Those 10-step promises are a part of my life because I went from working a program of slogans and opinions to a program of recovery. And that means that I am freedom. Relapse does not need to be a part of recovery. You work these steps, you experience freedom, and that's my story. And with that, I pass. Thanks so much, Kim. Okay, so ju just again, before we open it up to sharing, um, Kim read from page 30, the third paragraph, just the one paragraph. We're going to comment on that. So on your marks. Okay, right. who would like to share what was read? Anna M. Anna. Harlan G. Harlan. Rita K. Barbara Rita. E. Rita Barbara. Max. A. Max. Was there an Ann? Yeah. 
maybe one more. Here's I, I don't know if I heard. Hey Matt, did I hear you, Matt? I heard Max, but I, I wasn't Max. sure if I heard Matt. Yeah, you did. Yes, you did. Okay, so here's here's what oh. I have. Thanks, guys. Thanks, gentlemen. All right, so I got Anna, I got Matt, I heard Harlan, Rita, Barbara, and Max. Was there one person that I missed in the queue? Okay, let's let's go with that. Um, was there a Ken? Was there a Ken or Jen? Okay, maybe not, maybe not. Thanks for the help there, Leah, I appreciate it. All right, so we're gonna go Anna, Matt, Harlan, Rita, Barbara, and Max for now. Anna, you're up, good morning. Good morning, everyone, this is Anna M. Cross addicted recovered compulsive overeater from New Haven, Connecticut, and I'd like to thank you for your service, all of you on the line. It's really not that easy to get on this line to share, and this is like a miracle. I don't know. I feel like I ought to put a few dollars on a bet or something today because this is really good. Um, but as far as the reading, we alcoholics are men and women who have lost the ability to control our drinking. We know that real that no real alcoholic ever recovers control. And just as the previous person shared about you know, like using the tools and all the other things that are available. If, if I, I never, I am a frequent flyer. I was a frequent flyer, and I ha, I don't have my card to prove it, and I don't have miles miles to show it. If I could have traveled all over the world for free because I've been in the OA program for 23 years, and I never was able to get control. I I did half half measures, and I've worked one step one through three, and I've, you know, lost a little weight, gained a little weight. And when it talks about pitiful and incomprehensible demoralization, so many times I've experienced that. And, you know, just recently with an incident that happened at my employer, I found myself starting to think in the old way, which was self, self-centeredness, and if I were to allow that to continue, if I didn't have such a great sponsor or guide, I would, I could have been easily, like, ready for a relapse because that's how bad my mind took me. But part of the action in the background, I have a French bulldog who's going wild and, and you know, he's ready to go out. But in any case, um, over any considerable period, we get worse, never better. And that happened to me, I don't know how many hundreds of times. And I'm so grateful to God that I that I have this program and you guys to to help me look at this every day and realize how the severity of it. Um it's it's this is no joke and I'm grateful that I my life has been saved by this program and especially by a vision for you. It really has saved my life. So I thank you all for your service and thank you for allowing me the opportunity to share. Thank, thanks so much, Anna. Okay, we have Matt follow, followed by Harlan. Matthew, good morning. Thank you, Larry. Thank you, everyone. Thank you for your service. Good morning, everyone. This is Matt M. with a possible overeater uh, from New Jersey. We learned, we know that no real alcohol ever regains control. There's been times in my life when I first came in the rooms and I thought, oh, my God, this is great. Now I know my real problem. Now, now I can learn to control it. I can control myself from eating Oreos, from eating Kit Kat bars, and 
But no, those 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 cravings come up, and I would give in to them because that 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 mental twist would come into me. I was like, you know, I can handle just one. I can handle just one. Then I'd buy one, and then I'd spend half my uh my money on, on junk and and then and have no money at the left of the money. So I'd be like running for running around looking for food at the end of the month because I'd spend most of the money on ordering our junk food. It's insanity at its best because I never knew what it's like to have control. If I had control of this, I, I, I wouldn't be as big as I am. I still have a lot of weight to lose, and I have a long way to go physically and mentally. But like I said, I you know I would never have gotten where I am if I was able to have what they call, unquote, self-control. You know, people don't. I had someone tell me that yesterday. You know, you just need to have some self-control, and that's, and that's not true. Um, I have such intervals, usually brief, and I always thought, like, pitiful, still pitiful, and incomprehensible demoralization. Absolutely for me, you know, I was in the bottom, not paying my rent when I was in my trailer, not paying my rent, sitting there sitting, stinking to high heaven, not showering for days at a time. I just wanted the food. All I did was have a, a full fridge, an empty mind and a full fridge, and a full belly. And, uh, you know, they say a head full of program and a belly full of food. It was, it was hell on earth, you know. Because I came in the rooms in 2007, so I had a lot of learning to do. I still have a lot of learning to do. Nowhere near where I want to be. So believe me, I, I, I'm going to keep myself green. I'm going to keep myself humble because it's really difficult for me because I have such a huge ego that tells me, oh, well, you know, you're, you're, you're better than this program. Oh, you're better than this. You don't have to do this. You don't have to make this phone call. You don't have to read the book. You don't have to read the big book. You don't have to go to meetings. And, you know, at that, that point, I start to skip meetings. I start to skip this meeting. I start to skip making phone calls to my sponsor. That's when it all starts to go downhill, and then that, that, I have to really worry about myself, where I'm going. And that's, I don't want to go down that slippery slope anymore. So that I pass. Thank you. Thanks, Matt. Okay, we have Harlan followed by Rita. Hey, Harlan, was Superdog uh, on Milwaukee Avenue when you were in Chicago? Milwaukee right off Devon, and the Bermans owned it then, and they still do. <laughs> They you know it, brother. You know it. Oh, well, I know. You go up Nagel there to get to the highway, and you stop off there on your way, and you're good to go when you go to O'Hare. <laughs> uh, I'm Harlan G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Scottsdale, Arizona, and I want to thank Larry and Kim and the rest of Team Friday for making this wonderful meeting possible. Where does this information come from? What is the origin of this information? In 1931, six years before there was the first word of the big book ever written, a guy by the name of Richard Peabody, who died drunk in 1936, wrote a book called The Common Sense of Drinking. And in the book, The Common Sense of Drinking, and Bill Wilson's copy of this book, by the way, is in the AA archives, Peabody wrote, once an alcoholic always an alcoholic, and that it is a progressive illness. That's one of the things Peabody got right, and it had a great influence on early AA members. I look at this paragraph, and I think to the paragraph before it, the paragraph before it, and the chapters before them, and I think back on my life, and at 300, 400, 500 pounds, and well beyond that, I wanted to be a normal eater and eat just like everybody else. And I look at this paragraph and I see such intervals, usually brief dieting, were inevitably followed by still less control, less dieting, as Kim described, which led in time to pitiful and incomprehensible demoralization. If you did to me 
what this disease did to me, you'd be in jail. This disease ripped me asunder. It deformed me. It demoralized me. It crushed me. It beat me down. It gave me a permanent sense of defeat. It emasculated me. And in every way possible, it destroyed me, saved death. We are convinced to a man that alcoholics of our type are in the grip of a progressive illness. My abstinence today, my food plan today, is remarkably less food than it was five years ago, 10 years ago, 19 years ago. Because as I age, I cannot eat as much food. And I have to work the steps harder and harder because the disease becomes worse and worse over time. Over any considerable period, we get worse, never better. That means that today, I need this program more than I needed it yesterday. And I'll need it tomorrow more than I needed it today. And that means the steps. When I talk about the program, I'm talking about the steps. Because if it's not for a spiritual awakening as the result of the steps, as much hell as I described that the food dished out to me, I will go back to it. And before I can say two and two is four, I'll be looking down the business end of a Kit Kat bar before I can say two and two is four. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thanks, Harlan. Okay, we have, let's see, we got Rita Hayworth followed by Barbara Streisand. Rita, good morning. Good morning, Larry. I had an uncle who used to call me Rita Hayworth. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> I'm Rita Kay, grateful and recovered in Kansas. Uh, you know, this is, I, I, my eyes still fall on the top of this chapter, and I mentioned the other day that I wrote a, a subtitle at some point that says our lives have become unmanageable. And this paragraph just continues to describe the unmanageability, you know, as it talks about the progressive nature of this illness. And like someone said earlier, you know, my illness progressed in the rooms as I ran from one program in the OA rooms to another, looking for just the right food plan, looking for that kick-ass sponsor who's really going to do it for me this time, you know, looking for everything that was just the right one. But yet what was happening, my illness was still progressing each time. Sure, I had those brief intervals, you know, where it seemed like I had control. You know, I can't tell you how much money I spent on scales you know, on on kitchen scales, just just trying to find just the right kitchen scale that was going to do it for me. And this person over here found one in this catalog or went to Bed Bath & Beyond, and they have this scale. And, and I was, like, looking for, you know, just the right scale that was going to do it for me. And, sure, I lost weight in those rooms. I had brief intervals. But for me, for me, it was more than that. It was working working the steps and not just working the steps, but learning what it meant over time to apply them to my life. And even then, I would look out, you know, outside of what I was doing and listen to something else or hear something else or for whatever reason decide that my life is is not un unmanageable and that I'm not powerless over this. And I would just kind of, you know, take the opposite uh, the opposite direction from the steps, and they end up in relapse. But, you know, the in and out of part of the rooms, you know, this 
this paragraph describes what that progressive nature is and some of the synonyms for these three really powerful words that he uses, pitiful, incomprehensible demoralization, or, you know, I found distress jumped out at me, disheartened, loss of hope. And, you know, and, and when I'm sitting there running from room to room and I'm still experiencing that, that means, that means it's time for me to pause, you know, like I've done now, and, and just listen and listen to what people are saying who are working this program. And that's what I'm still learning how to do. And with that, I with that I pass. Thanks for letting me share. Thanks, Rita. Okay, we have Barbara followed by Max. Barbara, you don't bring me flowers. <laughs> okay, I threw you off there. Come on. Thank you for that intro. And I have not been described as Barbara Streisand, more like Reba Perlman. But I'll take what I can get. Anyway... This, I love that we can laugh, but this is a serious disease. And when I crawled in, and I do mean crawled in 21 years ago, I was truly desperate. I had surrendered. I was willing to do anything. I understood that no matter how long I had control, a week, a month, a decade, and I had it, I would lose it again. I understood that my disease hated me, wanted me to die, hated this program, hated the big book, hated you all because it knew that you were doing your best. The book was doing its best to save me. I had to surrender. It's like I live in the suburbs now. I used to live in Manhattan. And we have a beautiful garden outside, but I need to tend it every day. I need to weed it. Weed it. I need to water it. I need to take loving care of it. If I don't, it will wither and die. And it's the exact same thing with my program. If I ever think like that man, that I am now entitled to go out and eat like a normal people, people, that will surely kill me. That's what my disease is waiting for. It will grab me by the neck and strangle me until I'm purple in the face. It will kill me. I need, here's another analogy. I cook every night. I wear oven mitts to protect me. Otherwise, I'll get burned. That's the program. I wear the oven mitts. I come here to protect me, to keep me safe so that I will never rest on my laurels. I know I will die without this program. I've been told by doctors. I've been told by my family. I had to give up on doing things with my children. To those of you who have young children out there, use me as a cautionary tale. I was into the food and out of the food in pay-for-play meetings, for all their years of growing up. Now they suffer from my compulsive desire to eat and they have all manners of illness. I can't take responsibility for them today in their 40s, but I definitely feel the Jewish burden of guilt for my behavior when they were growing up because they saw me hiding food, eating food, And when I was on a diet pointing my finger at them, 
I don't want anyone out there to give up on themselves. Whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're probably right. Keep doing it. Tend that garden, wear those oven mitts, and keep coming back day after day. There's wisdom in these rooms, and God bless you all. I pass. Thanks, Barbara. Okay, once uh, Max is up next, and then we're going to open it up to more sharing. Hey, Mad Max. Good morning, brother. Hey, this is Max. Am I on? Testing one, two, three. You are. Yeah, you got. We got you. All right. So uh, we wanted to be like other people. I never did. Never. Ne- I'm not, and I'm. That's the way it goes. And uh, that's been my trouble with meetings. I've. Walked into my first meeting in 1985. I believe the meetings. Anyway, um, I uh, I have a lot of problems with a lot of the program, but I really like the fellowship. It's sort of like I think it's like church. Like you, some people annoy you, just this, and you think that, but you go because it's all of us together. And I really appreciate you, Larry, for starting me on a positive note and being funny with people because. Uh, that's definitely part of recovery, not being so damn serious about it, like me, me, me. Because we have 17 kids dead, we have 300 dead in Syria, it's like your problems are just very, they are important to you, but there's there's a bigger picture, you know, and self-obsession is the, the death of uh, your recovery. And I'm, I'm very grateful to, to, to have this phone meeting. I get to 4.30 in the morning to come to this meeting. I left my number yesterday and I got a bunch of texts and calls and some of them were quite funny and I'm afraid this one guy who called me it didn't go well but um unless I do appreciate everybody and I to share it myself and um goodness gracious this may be the only time I speak to others in this day because I happen to be very isolated I live in a remote area I'm trying to get out of here and uh it's going slowly I want to get back to a city and I want to get a a girly friend, but maybe I don't need a girly friend right now because every time I get a girly friend, my food goes crazy. It's just that's uh, like I was abstinent for like 10 years. I'm a bulimic, right? So I didn't throw up for 10 years and then I met my now ex-wife and that's when it started up again. It's just not her fault, but it's like I withhold and lie. I'm incapable of telling the truth, the complete truth to another person, especially in relationship. It's just that's uh, my cross to bear. Um, I don't want to take up all of your time, but again, this is, I call the suicide hotlines every day. I call the, the helplines every day. And um, it is nice to get a text here and there, but it's just like there's a lot, baby. And uh, there's a lot, but the food is handled for today. It was handled yesterday. It was handled the day before. Hallelujah. Whoop-de-doo. Excellent, excellent. Everything is uh, okay with that. So what happens is like the food doesn't, the food is handled, and then life comes at you like a freight train. Oh, my God, what do I do with this loneliness? What do I do with this rage? What do I do with this annoyance with other people? Just constant, oh, boy, you know, and the, the human race, you know, which is not my favorite thing at all times, as I'm sure it's true with many of you. But uh, you guys sound okay, so if I got you guys, then all the rest doesn't matter, does it? And I have myself. I have myself, my inner strength, and of course, the strength of God and the steps and the powerlessness and you take it, God. I don't know what the hell to do. You take it. It's yours. Bye. You know, so uh, thank you for letting me share and I pass. Hey, Max, thanks so much for being here. 
Okay, we're yeah. hey, we're reading um we're reading from the big book. Um, Kim read uh, from page thirty, the third paragraph. Who would like to share on what was read? Lisa. 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 Who else? Liz T. Liz Ross. Leslie. <laughs> Leslie, who else? <laughs> <Lauren> <laughs> I'm sorry, who? Lauren N. Lauren. Vasa okay. O. Okay, and one more. Stacy. All right, let's go with Stacy. So here's here's the list, and I apologize, guys. Um, I got uh, Lisa, Liz, Russ, Leslie, Lauren, Vasa, and Stacy. Okay, so Mona Lisa, you're up. Oh, thank you. This is Lisa B. I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Thank you. And I love that name. My brother used to call me that all the time. So um, the word in this reading that really spoke to me this morning is the word regaining, regaining control. So what does regain mean? It means reach a place or position again, get back to. And I have to be so careful because this disease is very insidious and it goes underground. It morphs into all new appearances and new voices and new disguises and it's subtle and it's patient and it waits and it waits. So like for me as a compulsive overeater and an alcoholic, I always want to be in like the throne of like running my life, running the show. And attached to that is a whole bunch of pain the spiritual malady is just like linked to that that gets on me and it and it really kills me but I don't know it's killing me and it's slow and it's insidious and that's why for me abstinence only is really almost like a death wish thinking that abstinence is the goal and be all and the end all I actually get sicker and I get worse and um, I get on me in such a way that it's just horrible, but I don't know it. I don't know it. And that's why every day I need to live in these steps and the growing steps of 10, 11, and 12. You know, when I came in here, I had all these problems that I just thought if I could just solve them, I would be okay. But then the selfishness comes in. You know, I have relief. I have abstinence, and I even am recovered. And I start to think if I just focus in on my little world, my little plot here with me, maybe my family, maybe a few people that are nearby, you know what? That spiritual malady comes on again, and it grows, and the sickness comes back. The way that the recovered state is set up in this program through these 12 steps is I have got to get out and help other people that share the same first step as me. And it's not always convenient, and it's not always practical, and it's not always easy, but attached to it is a world of gifts and treasures, just like when I choose the other world, is attached to pain and despair. And they're both so subtle. I don't always see it happening, but I need to always be in these steps. Okay. It's not about accidents okay. only. Five minutes. Oh, okay. I heard someone talking. Um, abstinence is the key to get in the door. But really and truly, the goal is to get recovered and stay recovered. And it's daily, dependent on my, con- my uh, spiritual condition through working with others and enlarging my life spiritually. With that, I pass. Thank you, Larry, for your service. Uh, thanks, Lisa. Hey, if everyone could just mute their phone if they're not Liz. I remember one time I was ordering from Starbucks, <laughs> and everyone heard me. Um, anyways, so we have Liz followed by Russ. Hey, Liz, good morning. Hi, Larry. Good morning. This is Liz T. in Minnesota, recovering compulsive overeater. 
And um, I've been cooped up in my house for about four days with influenza A, and um, my three kids got it. And I've just been so grateful for this meeting um, to keep a connection um, and phone calls. And I read doctor's opinion with someone yesterday um, that I don't have to be plummeted by this disease again. This is, I think, probably my first um, abstinent illness where I haven't needed to go back to the food. Um, so I'm just so incredibly grateful. And on this paragraph, I have the word control circled at least four times. And if I have conceded to my innermost self that I am a real compulsive overeater, like the paragraph before this, I have admitted that I have no control over this, de this disease. Um, I'm powerless but not helpless. I can continue to reach out whatever the circumstances are. We got snow last night. Um, the kids have a, a two-hour late start. You know, whatever the situation is, whatever the circumstances that are out of my control, um, my recovery can stay number one. And I don't have to keep falling into that pitiful and incomprehensible demoralization. When things get rough, I think, oh, I can go back to the food. Then, that, then I hadn't made a solid step one. And I thought it was because I wasn't finishing my ninth step amends. Um, and that might have been part of it. But, but if I'm continuing to pick up, um, I have to admit that I am not um, taking a solid step one. So I'm grateful that a recovered fellow um, gently pointed that out to me. And, and um, I could really take that into my to the depth of my bones, you know, that and accept and um, pick up the spiritual the spiritual toolkit and um, get on this happy road of destiny with the rest of you. So I just want to give out my gratitude and anyone on the line that has struggled and relapsed, know that there's hope and we can get through any situation um, if we grab a hold of this. I'll pass. Thank you. Thanks, Liz. Okay, we got Russ followed by Leslie. Hey, Russ, what's up, brother? Hey, Larry. How are you? I'm um, good. Good morning. Uh, Russ M., Recovered Compulsive Eater outside of Philly. We know that no real alcoholic ever recovers. We know that no real alcoholic ever recovers. So compulsive overeaters, we ain't recovering. To me, that's the, that's such a harsh reality. It's true. And, um, you know, reading this line, it just it just kicks me right in the pants. It says, dude, you're never going to get better, and you can't do it. And, you know, every time you took control back, every time you thought you had it nipped, every time you had your foot on the throat of this disease, it was like a reversal. And I was crushed and beat up, hopeless, zero self-worth, zero self-worth wishing I was dead. So when I read that, we know that no real alcoholic ever recovers. That tells me, Russ, you got to be in this book. Russ, you got to be working the program, working the steps, not tools. Yeah, they're nice and all, but I have to be working these steps every day, and I have to share it with someone else if I want to be free. And, uh, that's all I got. That just shook me up, really. Shook me to my core, that line. But we have hope because we have this program. So thank you very much. Y'all have a great weekend. Hey, thanks, Russ. Okay, we got Leslie followed by Lauren. 
my favorite girl from Tennessee. <laughs> uh, yo, what's up, Larry? This is Leslie W. from the Bronx. Uh, no, I can't that. That's so, so bad. Um, so, yeah, so, like, this is this is just, for me, I, I, I have to say that I'm reminded. Um, I was at, at a... Uh, at a small group <clears throat> gathering on Sunday night, and uh, I bring my food every night, every Sunday night to this to this group. And um, you know, it's funny we were talking about self control, and uh, I made a comment. Hey, Leslie, I think we, unless that's my phone, I think we lost you, so someone must have muted us out. Can you press star one? My apologies. I hear you, Larry. Okay, you can hear me? Yeah, I think. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Are you there, Leslie? Can you hear me? We can hear you now. Go ahead. Thanks. Okay. Um. So, yeah, and I made a comment that I have no self-control. I mean, and it's so funny because one of the girls said, oh, but I think you do. I think, I think you have so much self-control. Um, look at the way you eat. You know, I see, you know, you bring your food and, and every week, and, and I think you're selling yourself short. And she meant well. She really did. But she doesn't understand how crazy I am. She doesn't understand the chatter that goes on and that 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 used to go on um, in my head, and and I remembered this line in the big book, and I just smiled because because you know what, I'm never going to be able to regain control with this. I know that, and I know that to my core, which is why I didn't believe that. Like when she said that, I didn't believe it. Because I know who I am. I'm not a bad person because I have this disease. I have this disease. And, you know, but through the wounds of this disease, I have, I have found God. I truly have. And I have found a fellowship filled with lovely people who really understand me. They really love me and understand me and accept me. They don't judge me. You know, because because we're all the same. We're all the same no matter no matter if I'm in Tennessee or you're somewhere else or you know, we're we're we all have this disease. We all have that in common. And so we don't have to stay in the grips of this disease. That may be wait just a minute, I'm saying something important. We we might all be in the grips of this disease, but we don't have to you know, at, at some point in our lives, but we don't have to stay there. We can be free, you guys. We can be free. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Leslie. Okay, we have Lauren followed by Vasa. Lauren Bacall, good morning. Good morning. You called Lauren in, I hope? I did. I did. Thank you, Larry. Thank you, everyone on the call this morning. I come here for my medicine every day. Thank you. Thank you all for this meeting, this program, this recovery that has brought so much to me in my life, has helped me get out of me. 
I have this chatter in my head, as everyone else has mentioned, that says, okay, it's good to eat. No, you can do, you can just have a little. You can have one. Oh, maybe not one. No, maybe 10, maybe 100. Oh, and I forget that part of my brain, I forget over and over again that that's not the answer. And this helps me remember every day helps me remember that this disease is fatal and that one one bite, one extra bite, one little bit is going to lead to thousands of Kit Kat bars as one of our leaders says. For me, it's not Kit Kat bars, it's whatever. It doesn't matter what it is. It's anything sweet. And I am so grateful that I can say it's, I'm looking, on Monday is my birthday and it's going to be my second, third birthday without any cake. And that's great. That's recovery. Because I don't even think about wanting it. Today. Amen. With that, I'll pass. Thanks, Lauren. Okay, we have Vasa. Oh, and we have Stacy. Hey, Vasa. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, Larry. Good morning, everyone. Thank you for your service, Larry. And I'm grateful recovered compulsive overeater calling from Florida. And this is um, this was my story in this paragraph before I came to my first meeting in Overeaters Anonymous. And I'll never be so more grateful to the person that brought me to my first meeting and uh, and the 12 steps. Just amazing. I came in 1986. We didn't have as much literature in those days of Overeaters Anonymous. And, I mean, we had the stories. I remember the Brown book, the 12 steps didn't come to later. And so I was I was introduced more like I was with the big book. And I was reading that, this part right here. I mean, it's such, we alcoholics or we compulsive overeaters are men and women who have lost their ability to control our drinking. I tried to control my food, food for many years. It's not like I didn't try. I mean, I... I killed myself trying to find the solution. Everything out there that I tried, it just did not work. I could put it down for a little bit, but I could never keep it down. And it is by the grace of God that I learned about, you know, the solution, the allergy, the mental obsession. I I had hit bottom, you know. I don't know about you guys, but I I, I, I said, this is it. It's live or die, Vasa. If you're not going to do this, you're on the way to your your death. And I picked up the spiritual kids, you know, and um, it's by the grace of God. You know, yeah, the, I, the food went down, but I said, okay, so how am I going to live life without this food? Well, here are the 12 steps. But I remember that time our sponsor said, you know, we have to surrender to a higher power than to find a power greater than ourselves to help us because we can't do this by ourselves. 
And I was ready and I was willing, even though I was terrified, to surrender to something that I did not know what this power pie was going to do to me. It didn't matter. I surrendered. I I said, I will surrender to God. I will surrender to the program. I will surrender 12 steps. I will surrender to anything you tell me to do, just not to go to, back to the food. And gradually, little by little, I became abstinent. I mean, I became abstinent. I'm not saying it was easy. I want I to take it back. But once I put it in God's hands, in my high, higher power's hands, I said, that's it. I'm not going to take it back, but I need the power and I need the strength from God, this program, to keep it down. And it's by the grace of God, you know, working the steps. That were, my life started getting better, not just the physical part. And that was awesome, the physical part. You know, I can get into clothes I never thought I would imagine. I imagined I could. I don't want to take any much longer time. I am just so excited. I'm just so thrilled. This is where I get my medicine. Thank you, and I pass. Thanks, Vasa. Okay, we have Stacy followed by Jen A. If Jen's still there, hey, Stacy, it's your turn. <laughs> Thanks, Larry. Good morning. <laughs> this is Stacy T. Recovering compulsive eater in Cleveland, and uh, all of this paragraph makes sense for me, and particularly um, the grip of progressive illness and <clears throat> getting consider- considerably worse never better. And when I came into OA, um, I wasn't in the big book. I was using the tools because that's pretty much what I was hearing. And at some point, um, I gave up and I I didn't care um, anymore. And I had lost control and so I just let myself, the disease, um, continue to progress as I continue to say, I surrender. But it wasn't surrendering to a higher power. It was surrend- a, a higher power that was for my highest good. It was surrendering to the food. And I never realized um, how much worse it could be. Um, and... After releasing just about a hundred pounds now, um, I, I can't believe that what I I kept raising the bar. You know, I will never binge on this. I'll never binge on that. Um, who would ever eat a bag of carrots? Um, not me. And over time. All of it became me, and um, the pitiful and incomprehensible demoralization that I have no control over my uh, addiction, and particularly the mental obsession. And I'm so grateful to be learning and relearning about the fatal nature of my addiction, Um because without all of you and my big book sponsor and continuing to be head first in the book and in the steps, um, I'm a bite away from having my higher power be the food again instead of God. And with that, I pass. 
Thanks so much, Stacy. Hey, Jen, are you there? Hi, Larry. Can you hear me? Hey, I can. Hey, Jen. Hi. Good morning. I'm Jen A. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater, anorexic and bulimic from the state of Colorado, um, and I am a real compulsive overeater. So for me, I've lost the ability, right, to control my compulsive overeating, binging, restricting, vomiting, compulsive exercising. And guess what? I know without a shadow of a doubt that I will never gain control. Um, I had tried everything. Nothing could eat, make me eat like a normal person. And so when I got to this point, I had admitted these truths to a group of like-minded people and I was ready. So what my sponsor did for me, which I love, is um, he shared with me a prayer that I wrote in the cover of my big book. It's called the Set-Aside Prayer. Um, a lot of you might know it. Um, but for those of you who are new, when this was shared with me, I thought, oh, my gosh, this opened the doorway. Um, this prayer, to my knowledge, was inspired um, by the statements and ideas in the big book. And um, I personally adopt it and modify it as I need it for each situation in my life. Um, but I try to keep the principles intact. So um, we're talking about step one. And when being in this first step, um, my prayer would go something like this. I would say, God, help me set aside anything that I think I know and that I have tried in the past to control my compulsive overeating. Give me a new experience in this program of Overeaters Anonymous and with the directions outlined in the big book. And show me the truth about myself my disease, the people in this fellowship, and especially you, God, so that I may have an open mind to a new experience with all these things. Help me see the truth. Amen. And by taking this action, admitting, surrendering, I'm now asking and embarking on this journey of the 12 steps. And um, I just thank God um, that he showed me this prayer. And um, like I said, I use it all the time. So I'm super grateful. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks, Jen. Hey, we got time for one more share. Where are you? Carolyn. Come on. Carolyn SH. That's the one. Hey, Carolyn. Good morning. I was unmuted. How exciting. Hi. Good morning, Larry. Good morning, everybody. Carolyn SH, um, grateful, recovered compulsive eater in Massachusetts. And um, what's jumping out at me is, um, and listening to all of you, um, we know that no real alcoholic ever recovers control. And it's really striking to me, what's striking me this morning is the word um, that they use there, recovers, because we know um, and what's wonderful about this book and this fellowship is the, um, the message that uh, compulsive eaters, that we do recover, that we recover um, through doing these steps and and um, uh, establishing and maintaining a relationship with a higher power. But what we don't recover is control. Um, and I would, the way that my experience is, and Larry, I did not time myself. So um, if you could help you me. You got out. about another 20 minutes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That'll do. That'll do. Um, so, uh, that I I will never regain control and and I never had control I will never recover control and it's funny that they use that word because I don't think I ever had control like I you know I had um, little 
brief periods of control, right? And um, but control is an illusion. And I've gotten to the point where I am. I have to say, I am really happy not to have control. Like I'm not in charge anymore. Um, and and just technically, I use like I work with steps every day. And technically, I use my um, my eating plan that I just give up control. You know, I weigh and measure done. I don't have to even think about what I'm eating because um, I don't have control over that. Um, and the more I'm in this program and the more I work on my relationship with my higher power, I realize I don't have control over anything um, other than my relationship with my higher power and, and how much I listen or don't listen um, to the guidance I'm being given. Um, and that's it for me. Thanks, Larry. Thanks. Oh, great ending. Thanks, Carolyn. Hey, thanks to everyone who is here. I am horrible at timing. Obviously, I may get fired here. Um, so we are now going to close with a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And who did that? Carmela. Yeah. Hey, yo, Carmela. Thank you. Hi, this is Carmela G. from New York, page 164. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.